Jen, we are talking with Nikki Chica, cardiac electrophysiology nurse practitioner with First Health Pinehurst Medical Clinic Cardiology. Nikki, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. A uh, quick question for you. For those who may not know about AFib, we hear alarming stories and anecdotal information about this. Tell me more about what that is, AFib. So what AFib is, it's a heart rhythm disorder. Um, it's a very disorganized rhythm that comes from the top chambers of the heart. Um, in some people, it causes a variety of different symptoms. Other people may not even realize they have it. Um, the, the biggest risk that we see with atrial fibrillation is an increased risk for stroke. Um, so that's one of the main reasons that we do treat AFib. For those who have symptoms, what are they going to experience? Um, symptoms vary person to person. Some people have absolutely no symptoms and are completely unaware that they have AFib. Um, other people may experience um, some symptoms of fatigue, they may experience um, palpitations or feel like their heart is racing. Um, some people experience shortness of breath with exertion or um, just dizziness, lightheadedness. Well, is AFib different or how is it different from like having a heart attack? Great question. Thank you. I actually get that a lot. So um, AFib is very different from having a heart attack. Atrial fibrillation is a heart rhythm problem, so it's just a disturbance in the electrical system, whereas a heart attack is secondary to blockages within the coronary arteries, so that's more of a plumbing issue. So people who have been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation, it does not mean they have had a heart attack. It does not mean that they have any blockages. So, but what about age? Is there an age risk factor for AFib? Yes. So age is one of the biggest predictors of AFib. Um, it's one of the most common arrhythmias that we treat. Uh, about 1% of the general population will develop AFib. And as people age 70s and older, we typically see it somewhere in the 10% range. Um, and that's typically because as people get older, they develop other comorbidities that might lead to the development of AFib, such as hypertension, um, coronary artery disease, uh, heart valve problems, or heart failure. Um, so age is the biggest predictor. Okay. Are there things people can do to, like, decrease their risk of AFib? And are there things people can do to, uh, I guess, uh, cause AFib? So, uh, yes and no. <laughs> um, there are things that do increase the risk of AFib, um, such as uh, obstructive sleep apnea or hypertension or heart valve problems. So what we really recommend is that people try to live um, a healthy lifestyle to avoid developing these types of conditions. Um, should you already have these types of conditions, we know that controlling hypertension or using a CPAP if you have sleep apnea can certainly slow the progression of AFib. What are the treatment options for AFib? That is a great question. So I kind of look at AFib like a choose-your-own-adventure of arrhythmia management because we tailor it to meet the needs of every individual patient. Um, patients who have absolutely no symptoms in AFib um, oftentimes, we don't need to treat the rhythm itself. Um, the only reason we treat AFib are for symptoms. 
or if it causes a deleterious effect on the ejection fraction or a reduction in how well the heart pumps. But those are the two reasons we treat. Um, options to treat are pharmacologic with medication. Um, there's cardioversion, which is a little shock to the heart to kind of reset things. And then there's also procedures known as catheter ablations, where we actually go into that left side of the heart where the majority of AFib triggers come from, and um, we can ablate, we can either burn or freeze those extra electrical signals to prevent um, AFib from recurring again. Well, Nikki, and a couple of questions that, that come to mind. Are there different kinds of AFib, and are there devices that treat or that cure, or both? Um, so, unfortunately, there is no cure for AFib. We only have um, treatment options available, um, and that's why living a, a healthy lifestyle and controlling other comorbidities is so important. Um, different types of AFib, we kind of describe AFib um, in the length of time in which you have it. So, um, paroxysmal atrial fibrillation just means that it comes and goes. Um, persistent atrial fibrillation means that it's typically lasting greater than a week when you do have uh, episodes. And then there's permanent AFib where we've essentially deemed um, it's, that we're not going to treat it and we're just going to leave it permanent and um, not try to get you back into a normal rhythm. So those are the three kind of types of atrial fibrillation that we described. And not to be alarming, but... Is it, can any of these be a sudden death uh, episode? No. No. Atrial fibrillation doesn't increase morbidity or mortality. Um, the reasons we treat it are for symptoms. Um, the, the caveat to that statement is that the cornerstone of AFib treatment is with anticoagulation for stroke uh, thromboprophylaxis to prevent stroke. So that's um, kind of another branch of AFib that we would discuss as well because that's one of the biggest risk factors when you do have AFib. Okay. Uh, Nikki uh, Chica, cardiac electrophysiology nurse practitioner with First Health Pinehurst Medical Clinic Cardiology. We certainly appreciate your uh, coming across and giving us some education and information on something people may have symptoms of and want to get looked at. Thank you. My pleasure. Happy to chat.